0: Time to hear people's stories. I know for me personally, um, I am thrilled that next hour my own son's being baptized, and I never thought that they would come for various reasons, but it's happening. And I know many people here today, those who step foot in the tank, whether they're little or big, they their families, they prayed and they asked God to allow this to happen in their journey. And I'm so grateful for all the families that are witnessing this in the chapel family. That's a part of this as well. So Jesus. Uh, He came on the scene uh, after 30 years of obscurity, 30 years where people didn't know who Jesus was. They knew he was Mary and Joseph's son, and they knew that he was a carpenter, but he didn't proclaim that he was the Messiah until almost 30 years into his life. And then when it was time to coronate this ministry of Jesus, this time where he would teach and change people's lives and perform miracles and ultimately go to the cross and die and be resurrected. Jesus does something at the beginning of his ministry that honestly is kind of unexpected, especially for the savior of the world. Jesus, before he goes into ministry, he's baptized. In fact, here's how we see this in Matthew three thirteen through 14. It says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John, he tried to talk him out of it, saying, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Now, I know there's a lot of kids and students in the room and adults. This is for you as well. But I want you to imagine your favorite singer or your favorite music group, okay? Or your favorite athlete or somebody that you look up to. And I want you to imagine that you found out that you get a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to meet that person or those people in person. And you're so excited and you go and meet your favorite singer or your favorite athlete and you want to tell that singer or athlete how much they mean to you and how you look up to them and how they've helped you in your sport or in your music career. And all of a sudden that singer and that football player, they stop you before you can say something. And they look at you and they say, I want to learn how to sing like you. Or I want to learn how to throw the football like you. I mean, can you imagine if your hero said that to you? You would be thinking, oh, wait a minute (laughs) here. Isn't this supposed to be the opposite? Like some of you adults are like, man, I sing pretty well in the shower and in the car, but I could never imagine, like my friend Jeff's favorite singer, Taylor Swift, ever coming up to them and saying, like, I want to know... How to sing, or your favorite football player saying, I want to learn how to throw a football touchdown or a touchdown just like you. I mean, that would be crazy. But that's what happened with John the Baptist. Here's John the Baptist who is preparing the way for the Messiah. The Messiah was promised to the Israelites and to the world at the beginning of the foundation of the world. John was looking forward to meeting him and helping other people meet him. And here comes Jesus on the scene. He is the Messiah. He's the one that's going to bring eternal life. He goes up to John and says, John, I want you to baptize me. John was shocked. John was so stunned. He's trying to talk God out of it. Like, oh, no, 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 no. It should be the other way around. But Jesus, he needs to be baptized. And he tells us why in the next verse, in verse 15. He puts it this way. He says, but Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. And so John agrees to baptize him. Now, when we look at Jesus' words here, he says, for we must carry out all that God requires. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, he's talking about our relationship with God. He said there's a requirement to have that relationship with God. And here's the requirement. On God's side, God is a perfect, sinless, faultless God. And in order to have a relationship with him, he needs to have a relationship with those who are sinless, perfect, and faultless. That's what he requires. And if you think about your own life as I think about my own, I am far from sinless, perfect, and faultless. How about you? If you think you are sinless or faultless, could you please come up because we would rather hear from you than me, trust me. But no one, no one is like that. We all fall short of that standard. And so if there is a God and that's what God requires, then what do we do if we're not perfect, if we're not faultless, if we're not sinless? See, a lot of people, they try to do two different things. They try harder. Well, I'm gonna try to be a better person. And that's a good thing to do but no matter, how you, no matter how much we try to be perfect, you and I can't be perfect. You could be close to perfect, you can be a saint, but even the saints weren't perfect. And so then the alternative is this, okay, then I will be a good person. If, if I live a, good per, live a good life, then surely when I die, someday this God will let me into heaven. But the problem with that is this how good is good enough? How do you know when you've reached the status of being good enough for God to allow you into heaven? Is it when you open the door for an older person 50 times? Is it this amount of money that you have to give? Is it this many times that you should go to church? Is it this many times you should pray? There is no standard And so the problem with that is if you try to be a good person and you try to relate to God in that way and you hope that he will let you into heaven someday, we call that kind of relationship with God insecure. Because you're always wondering, like, did I do enough? Did I do enough? Did I do enough? There's some of you here that know what I'm talking about. So you can't try harder, and I don't think you can be good enough because we'll never be good enough to be perfect. So the, all, the only other alternative, if we can't do something to get to God, is God must do something to get to us. That's the only other alternative. And that's exactly what Jesus does on the cross. In fact, when you look at this verse, all of a sudden, when you look at these words a little bit closer... When Jesus says it should be done, you can't help but think of what happens at the end of Jesus' life. He's on the cross, he has died for our sin, he's died for death itself, and what, is, what are some of his final words on the cross? It is done. It is finished. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. And we see the symbol of that in baptism. When Jesus goes under the water, it's a symbol of Jesus' death and burial. He died a death he didn't deserve. He took on humanity's sin, humanity's death, humanity's guilt. Everything was put on Jesus, and then he was buried in the tomb. And everybody thought at that moment it was done. This was another weirdo that came around that claimed to be God, but he is dead. But then three days later, Jesus he really likes a comeback story. That's why we hear a lot of comeback stories here in the tank this weekend. Because Jesus, he doesn't just stay in the ground. He is raised to life. We, we see that in the water. Dead to our sins, raised to life. And what Jesus does is he leaves the ramifications of sin and death in the grave for once and for all so that anyone who believes in him and trusts in him will live for eternity. That's what Jesus has done on the cross, and that's what he gets baptized as a symbol of. Now, the question still remains, and I've thought about this a long time. Why is Jesus baptized? You ever thought about that? Like, okay, Jesus is all man, but he's all God. He's perfect. He's sinless. We know why we should be baptized, but why should Jesus be baptized? Well, Jesus, see, leads to the answer in John or excuse me, Matthew 3, 16, and 17, ultimately some of my favorite verses in the whole scriptures. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Not only does Jesus do this to identify with us because it's something we're required to do, it's also an invitation to experience these kinds of words that Jesus experienced coming out of the water. You see, whether you're a kid or an adult, there is something that all of us have in common in this room. We all want to be loved and accepted for who we are. We don't want to be loved and accepted because we have a lot of money, because the way we look, because we're successful in sports or in school, because we know deep down if we are loved and accepted for those reasons, those reasons are fleeting and we may not have those kinds of things anymore. So what will people think of you? Or there's a lot of times where we want to be loved and accepted so much so that we change who we are. We become what others want us to become in order for them to like us. The problem with that, though, is if you're like me, and I have done that so often in my life, not only will they may or may not like you, they are liking a false you. A you with a mask on, a you that's not truly you. And there is no worse feeling if someone accepts you for the person that you aren't. All of us want to be loved and accepted, not for what we look like, what we do, somebody else that they want us to be. We just want to be loved and accepted for who we are. And that's exactly what happens with Jesus. Here's Jesus coming out of the water, and he hears this declaration from his father. It says, this is my son with whom I love, with whom I'm pleased. Did you notice that this happens before Jesus goes into ministry? It's not like Jesus performed miracles, had amazing teachings, gathered crowds, and all of a sudden Jesus was like, or the Father was like, okay, now I love you. Now you've done some good things. Now I love you. It's the opposite. He declares love for his son before he does anything at all. He is pleased with Jesus, and he loves Jesus because that is his son. It's the reason if you've ever been a parent and you held your child for the first time. You didn't look at that child and say, man, I can't wait till they're successful someday because maybe I will like them someday. What do we do? We we say, oh my goodness, I'm instantly in love. They haven't done anything besides cried. And you're so in love because that is your child. And you are their parent. And when Jesus comes out of the water, the Father declares, I love you because you are mine. And that's what the baptism is a symbol of. When people are coming out of the water, they are saying, yes, I want to live for Jesus. Yes, I want to follow him for all the rest of my life. But I also know that I am approved and loved by God. And even if no one else does in this whole world, I have his approval. And that is enough. If I had to put it in a way that I hope we remember it, God's approval of us is not based on who we are, it's based on whose we are. There is no greater feeling in the world to know that we belong to God in Christ and that nothing can take that away. And so you see that in the tank this weekend, all of these people taking these next steps with God, and I hope you are here and you're cheering them on and you're excited to see that. But I also want to offer you a chance today as well. What's so amazing about baptism here at the chapel is we have classes and and we want to get to know you and there's a process of of being baptized, but there's also another side of baptism where we feel like if the Spirit is saying today, do it, you should do it. If you're a Christ follower in here and you've never been baptized, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till you're ready because none of us are ever ready. It's an act of obedience, means we do it despite what our feelings say. And what we want to do is to give you an opportunity to be baptized today. We have t-shirts and shorts in your size back there. We have our staff and our elders standing by to just talk you through what that looks like. You ladies and some of you men who need it, we have hair dryers too. So you have no excuse. If you've never been baptized and you see the power of what it represents, identify with Jesus himself and do what he did. And take that step. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna ask you all to stand with me. So would you do that? We're just gonna worship and just thank God for who he is. And during these next 10 or 15 minutes or so, we have people standing in the back, just slip out. We'll get you ready and then you can come back in and we'll baptize you at the end of the service. So let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just pray for those in this room who maybe have never taken that step. Maybe they were too scared. They cared about what other people think of them. But what we see, Jesus, in you is that the declaration that our Father loves them is all that we need. It doesn't matter what other people think of us. We don't have to live a life according to their standards or what we want them to think of us because we have approval in you. I pray for those that haven't haven't felt that or experienced that in baptism that they would take that next step today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.